This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's C. Sparky Pfeiffer, 1250 AM, The Fan, beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. Nathan Marzian is there. Follow him at Nathan Marzian. And, of course, joining us now, special guest, Bruce Bernstein of the 48 Minutes Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Pro Hoops Bruce. Uh, and the 48 Minutes Podcast has gone viral. Uh, they've been doing it for a while, but this thing blew up. Why? Because, well, they had, had somebody pretty famous uh, on the podcast. Bruce, who did you guys have on the podcast that made this thing go viral? Uh, we had a fellow by the name of Giannis Antetokounmpo. You might have heard about him. He has a brother that plays for the team also. I know you guys are big fans of Thanasis. Oh, Thanasis' brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Thanasis' right. yeah, okay. brother, yeah. yeah, yeah and, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you know, my co-host, Ross Geiger, who I like to call the point guard of the show, is very, very good friends with Giannis because Ross was with the Bucks as a video coordinator and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, Giannis Whisperer, I guess you sure. could say. And uh, so uh, the reason that Giannis did the show is because, you know, he and Ross truly are, I mean, really, really good friends. And Giannis promised, and it was the first podcast he ever did. We're very proud of the fact that we got him before Thanasis got him on his podcast. It's funny, yeah. Bruce, because I, I brought this up on a podcast uh, a couple podcasts ago about Giannis. When Giannis first got into the NBA, uh, I would get him on my postgame show after Bucks games all the time, all the time. Uh, and then as he became more famous... Then it's well, you know, you know, he, you know, you can't understand him as well as on the radio and blah 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 blah. And then I didn't get him hardly at all before this whole thing was said and done. I would get everybody else but Giannis, and he really does kind of pick and choose who he's going to talk to uh, going forward. Um, the New York Times piece obviously blew up, uh, and then he comes on your podcast and he pretty much said the same thing to a certain degree as he did in the New York Times piece. But as Nathan Marzian pointed out then, and I'm sure he'll point out tonight, this is the same thing he said the last time his contract was coming up. Nothing has really changed from our perspective, Bruce. What do you think? I really do believe that Giannis would like to find a reason to stay in Milwaukee. I think he really likes Milwaukee. I think he's comfortable there. Um, But, you know, his expectations may or may not be realistic. I mean, you know, um, obviously there's some really talented guys on the team right now. They want to chip a couple years ago, you know, with, with Drew and with Chris and, and the Lopez twins, although uh, Robin wasn't there, but Brooks certainly was, but you know, it's not the easiest market to get free agents to come to. So while I know he would love to see, you know, great talent sign with Milwaukee, that's a tough pull. Don't you think? Yeah, I think there's probably something to that. Uh, And I, I think there's always been something of if, you know, can LeBron get somebody to go to Cleveland? 
right? But if you think about it, did LeBron really get anybody to go to Cleveland? I mean, he forced him to make the trade to get Kyrie, right? So he to get Kyrie and then Kevin Love and all of that. So he made them do that because he didn't want to play with Wiggins or whatever. Uh, but other than that, he wasn't like he got Durant to go play in Cleveland or Wade right. to go play in Cleveland. He ended up leaving to go play in South Beach. He himself, Bruce, never really got that true superstar to go play in Cleveland himself. And Midwest cities, it's a tough pull, like you said. You know, I mean, Chicago might be the exception there. But look, I mean, you know, they brought back everybody this year for next season as well. So it's not like they were getting marquee guys to sign. The guys that they got, you know, came in trades sort of like Milwaukee when they brought, you know, Drew Holiday in, you know, Chris has kind of been there since, I mean, he had a cup of coffee in Detroit at the beginning of his career, but he's pretty much a lifer with the Bucks. And, uh, you know, I personally, I mean, I've always thought Milwaukee was kind of a cool place. I've known people from Milwaukee. I think it's underrated, you know, I mean, not to compare it to Buffalo, but I've spent some time in Buffalo. Buffalo gets bashed all the time, right? Buffalo is a pretty nice place, particularly in the summertime. You don't want to be there in February. Right. But, you know, um, some of these places, you know, you get tagged with a reputation and it just sticks no matter what. But since the Fiserv Forum was built and the whole development around that, you know, downtown, I mean, it's really transformed the place, I think. Yeah, Bruce, great to have you on and appreciate, you know, your guys' interview with Giannis gave us some really great content and everything. And, um, you know, going off of that, I think as far as keeping Giannis here, he has said too multiple times that this type of city is what fits him more than a big city, more than a big market where, you know, he's going to get a lot more, even even more attention than he would be getting here. He's always kind of said, hey, I'm comfortable in a place like this. I like being in a place like this. And so I'm not necessarily worried about ever, you know, him leaving for that reason. And as far as, you know, I, I know he's talking about, they got to stay on the same page. They got to stay committed. And that's the stuff he's said literally his whole career is just like, as long as they're you know committed to winning a championship and we're all on the same page, I'm going to want to be here. And if not, okay, then that opens the door to me leaving. Um, me and Sparky have talked about how their, their next big, I guess, chance to go get a, a, the next star for him or the next guy alongside him is next off season because they're going to have three first round picks to trade during the draft next off season, along with the contract of Brooke Lopez, the possibly the contract of Drew Holiday, depending on what he does with his player option. You've got Marjan Bochamp. So he's a young guy that you could potentially trade. So there, there is an Avenue next off season for them to go trade for someone. And that's where, you know, cause you talked about free agents. It's, it's never, I'm never expecting them to go get a bunch of great free agents and they don't really have the money right now to do so that when they are paying Giannis a ton, paying Chris a ton, blah, blah, blah. But as far as a trade goes, I think that's the time when we really could see us make that next push and, you know, uh, kind of show him that, Hey, we're, we're trying to keep this thing moving. You know, we're not just going to go with Chris and this is kind of assuming they don't win the title this year. If, if they, if they don't, um, cause if they do, I, re- I think everything's all good, but if they go with Chris drew Brooke, they're kind of just saying, Hey, we're, we're not completely set in that. And I think they're going to, you know, potentially make a move down the road. Um, but I wanted to kind of ask, do you think this is just a smart move on his part, smart, like business move to basically say, you know, keep the pressure on the organization and not let them, you know, if you're just like, Hey, I want to be in Milwaukee, I'm going to stay in Milwaukee. That takes a little bit of pressure off of them. And it, I think, I think he knows that. I think he knows that 
he wants to keep applying that and say, hey, you guys got to be at the top of your game, like organization, coaches, players, like everyone's got to be on the same page and at this level. Um, Because if, again, I I just, for me, I've always looked at it that way. I'm like, I think it's smart for him to do that. I'm actually happy he does that. I'm happy he comes out and says stuff like this because I'd be worried if he was just like, oh, well, I'll stay no matter what. And I don't like, it doesn't seem like he really cares how well everything's going. Like I want things to be, you know, I want there to be some type of pressure to win with him, you know, while he's here. I think uh, by holding management's feet to the fire, um, he probably feels like, you know, he's doing what he can to try and, you know, nudge things forward. But, you know, some guys try to recruit other players as well. You know, now I don't know if that's the kind of relationship that Giannis has with other people. It sounds like it isn't because when he was talking to us during the podcast and I asked him about Elijah and he's talked about how he doesn't like to work out with active players because he says, when I'm around you, I become your friend and I don't want to lose that edge. So I don't really know how he is as far as being around other players. Does he have like like the banana boat guys, right? The, the, the Carmelo, LeBron, Dwayne Wade. Chris Paul group, those guys, you know, they'd go on vacation together and stuff. I don't know if Giannis has those kinds of relationships. Uh, and if he doesn't, it's going to be, you know, it, it won't be, it'll be awkward for him to try and recruit, you know, future teammates or, hey, when your contract's up, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, John Horst can't do that. That's tampering. But, you know, at All-Star Weekend, Giannis could. I don't know yeah. if he would. Yeah, that's just it. That That's where it's going to have to happen. It's going to have to happen at All-Star Weekend, and that's where the, the relationships have formed. This whole thing of if I'm around you, I'm going to become your friend, I'm going to lose my edge. I think that's Kobe stuff. I think that's KG stuff. Remember, and Jason Kidd had him around Kobe, KG, John Stockton. All these guys were uh, all around Giannis while Kidd was there. Um, and it seems like a lot of that dog mentality that KG and Kobe probably had uh, back in their playing days that that he got down with and, and kind of made that his mentality. Let's talk about the Olajuwon stuff. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I can't think of any guys that went and worked out with Olajuwon that came back worse. I can't think of any guys that went and worked with Olajuwon that weren't significantly better in some aspect, whether they came back with a move all of a sudden that they didn't have before or their footwork all of a sudden became a lot better than it was after working out with Olajuwon. As a Bucks fan, I'm jacked because back in the day, because I'm old, back in the day when Bogut was here, number one overall pick, I begged and pleaded with him to go work with Olajuwon, just pleaded and begged and I was ignored. Uh, but now here with Giannis, because everybody says, yo, he's, you know, he's, he's a version of Shaq, uh, you know, and so forth. Uh, he doesn't want to play center. He, he don't want to be a five. That, that's not what he wants to do. But 
maybe part of this with Adrian Griffin is, hey, man, I want you to play with your back to the basket a little bit more. I want you to work in the post a little bit more. And maybe that's where the Olajuwon element comes in. What do you think about that, Bruce? I've said for a long time that, um, you know, and I said this to Giannis when I asked him the question, I said, everyone always talked about the next MJ. Everyone always talked about the next Kobe. Nobody ever talked about the next Olajuwon. And I said, I believe that's you. Now, granted, their offensive games are different. You know, Giannis isn't the low post, you know, beast that Olajuwon was. His footwork isn't quite what Olajuwon's was. But as far as the total man, as a teammate, as a player, uh, as just um, the kind of character. I mean, look, they're both Nigerian. They both wear number 34. I always kind of felt like he's kind of Hakeem 2.0. And now that he's going to work with him, if he's able to borrow some of what Akeem can teach, and Akeem has worked out with lots of guys, and, and the main thing is the footwork and the low post moves. If he can combine, uh, you know, increasing his efficiency down there and also improve his free throw shooting a little bit, because it can be kind of iffy now and again. Because if you're a low post present and you miss free throws, then you know what? You might as well shoot from outside because you gotta, you're you going to shoot better than 50% from out there. If you're a 60% free throw shooter, I don't think that's – good enough. So yes, I agree with you, Sparky. I don't think there's any possible way that he's going to come away from working with Akeem Olajuwon. And even if he just adds one or two little things, he's going to be better, but then he's got to knock down those free throws. Cause if he's going to be getting close to the rim um, and, and they're going to foul him, he's got to sh- make him pay. So one thing I wanted to ask about is today on, I don't remember what show it was. I think ESPN, some ESPN show, Kendrick Perkins said um, about Giannis's comments. He said that, you know, if he was Giannis's teammate, I would be offended or I would be, um, you know, I don't remember exactly what the word he used was, but um, do you get like the feeling that Giannis was taking any type of person? Like, I'm not, obviously he didn't, he's never going to name any names or do anything like that, but did you get the feeling that he was like talking about any specific teammates or trying to go at teammates or like, again, do you, or do you just think it was um, with, with the, with those comments he was making, do you think it was just a general um, overarching thing that was like, okay, well, this is just the honest truth of how I feel. Or do you think it actually was something behind what he was saying? There is no way in the world that I believe that Giannis Antetokounmpo was disrespecting his teammates. Kendrick Perkins, I think is a fun guy to watch on TV, but he says all kinds of stuff. And, and, you know, He's he's not always right, but he's never in doubt. Okay, yeah. uh, so and, and I like Perk a lot. I've I've had him on you know podcasts in my previous uh, company, Pure Hoops Media. Uh, I like Perk a lot. He's a great guy, but you know, I'm not buying that. Giannis Antetokounmpo is not dissing his teammates. Sorry, Perk. Because we because we this talked about the- this, Sparky. We talked about this too. Because we had a there was the comments he made in the New York Times, and you, Sparky, kind of had a a yep. bit of a feeling of that as well, where he was like, "This kind of sounds like he's he's talking about maybe some specific guys." And I was kind of in that boat of like, I just don't think he even like so I, is, I just don't think that's in him at all. Right. So this is my thing. The the last time we went through this, and you know, he said what he said about you know we got to win and they got to be on the same page as me. Okay, fine. It's the same thing. This is where it got different for me. When you start talking about, well, you have to be willing to, you know, separate you from your family and put the extra work in like I do and put all the extra time in. To me, it felt like he was kind of saying everybody wasn't maybe necessarily all in last year. And this is kind of the warning shot over the bow of we better all be pulling in the same direction this year because I don't want to go through what we went through last year. 
Now, I, I don't know if it was a person. I don't know if it was a team. I don't know if it was towards the old coaching staff. I think he had a he wanted to make a point and make sure everybody understood in the organization that you know maybe he didn't feel like everybody was pulling uh, in the same direction, and maybe that's why Bud's gone. Maybe that's why Boonholzer is gone. Maybe that's. Maybe that was part of the reason why they made a change there. Maybe he didn't think everybody was all in last year. Not quite sure, but he never brought this up the last time. The last time they went through this contract, we never heard this. It was, you know, Giannis is going to work his way and everybody else is going to work their way. That's it. Now this whole thing of I want everybody to be like me, that's a big, big ask from Giannis. You know, I can understand, you know, when you put it the way you just did, I can certainly understand why some folks would have that point of view. I kind of took it more as sort of like a generic overall comment that wasn't really directed at any one individual person. Now, I could be wrong about that. uh, But, you know, uh, you know, Ross could probably Ross Geiger, my co-host, could probably speak to that better because those guys truly do. They're like brothers. OK, I don't right. know Giannis. I mean, the first time I ever talked to him was when we did that podcast the other day. So I don't know him. But just my the vibe that I get from him is not that he's throwing his teammates under the bus. And I don't really know what his relationship with Mike Budenholzer was. I thought Bud kind of got a raw deal. I mean, you know, you win 58 games and yeah, okay, you flamed out against Miami. Well, Miami took down a bunch of teams last year, not just Milwaukee. Well, they and his down. brother and his brother died tragically while he was coaching in that series. Let's exactly. That. Yeah. Absolutely. And I remember watching, you know, his press conference after the final game. That man I mean, the look on his face was pure, like, torment. It was it was painful to even watch him have to go out in front of the cameras and speak. And I felt so bad for him because you all kind of felt like he's a he's gone. I mean, he's not he's not going to be able to survive this. And right. I I'm sure he sort of felt it as well. But you know, Bud, you know, he's maybe going to take a year off or whatever. Bud will coach again. And he'll, you know, he's a good coach. It just, it was just one of those things, you know. And when Giannis had his comments when they, when they asked him afterwards, "Hey, was this year a, a failure or a bust, whatever it was?" I thought, you know, there was real anguish in his voice. He, you know, I felt he really took that hard. And I think after we saw that, it's like next year, watch out. I mean, this guy's, you know, coming for real next year. I mean, I think we're going to see the very best of Giannis this season. Um, hopefully the team will hop on his back and, you know, 58 wins was a pretty darn good season for them. It's just a shame it ended as it did. Yeah. Do you, I mean, from your perspective, do you think that, um, cause again, w- with Giannis comments, everyone kind of, at least Bucks fans start to jump to, Oh, he's saying this team isn't good enough. He's saying this team can't win and you know, we got to get better or else he's going to leave. Do you think this team right now? Is good enough to win another title? Do you think they're a couple moves away? Like, how are you feeling about this team? My biggest concern with the Bucks this upcoming season is their health. I mean, Drew Holiday is like 33 years old. Middleton's 32. Brooke Lopez is, I think, 35. Uh, Giannis is 28, but he's kind of 28 with a lot of miles on him, okay? Um, and what did they, you know... They brought in Robin. Okay, Robin's going to be playing, you know, garbage minutes for the most part. Although I happen to like Robin Lopez. I'm a Celtics fan myself. I always wish they would have. Okay, Bruce, Lopez. we got we've we've got to go. We got to go. It's still green. I mean, green's my color, fellas. <laughs> Nathan Marzian and Celtics fans have a hate hate relationship. It's not okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Why do you why do you hate us? Because I mean, I can't use the term that you know 
that that a lot of non-Boston fans use to describe people from Massachusetts, which you know rhymes with you know a swear word. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll keep it clean for your audience. Thank you. Why 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 do you hate us, Nathan? We're we're just a bunch of friendly drunk people that go to games and make idiots out of ourselves. What's wrong with that? Oh, yeah. Yes, very friend. No, I I do respect. I've always said I respect the passion, but I'm like I cannot stand that fan base, man. It is ever I every time the Bucks lose to the Celtics, it is just constant people coming at me on Twitter and just it does not stop. Even even when they're not playing the Celtics, it's like I just constantly have Celtics fans, Celtics fans, Celtics fans, and it's just they they are relentless. And again, I respect it, and they're kind of like this with all sports. You know, I respect the passion, but man, it's like it's it's ruthless, Nathan. I just want you to know I'm not like those guys because I'm going to tell you what Boston fans. And I don't know if anybody in Boston watches your podcast, if they do or listens, if they do, I'm probably going to be in a bit of trouble here. Our fans are like the worst. I mean, we're, (laughs) we're jaded. We're so spoiled. I mean, you know, the Patriots would win the Super Bowl pretty much every other year for like, you know, over a decade, the Red Sox, you know, after being lovable losers for like, 85 years all of a sudden started you know smelling themselves a little bit and they got pretty obnoxious Bruins fans are kind of good fans I mean again good good drinkers there that go to the Bruins games and uh Celtics fans believe it or not we have our you know mutants I suppose but pretty intelligent fan base for the most part I mean if you follow any of the Celtics guys on Twitter they're pretty pretty thoughtful but I do agree with you I mean Boston fans can be really, really obnoxious, but well, I'm not one of those guys. Okay, and I do. Like, I just want to say, I mean, I do like, I do like a lot of players on the Celtics. I didn't like Marcus Smart. I didn't like Grant Williams, but those guys are gone now. Um, Al Horford's still there, so they're that's really the only guy I'm like passionately against. But I like Tatum. I like Brown. Like I have nothing against those guys. They're likable players. It's just the fan base. Yeah. Well, let's let's go there for a second. So, how big of a loss? Do you think it is Marcus Smart not being in Boston? You know, you you it's get a huge loss or whatever, but no Smart. How does that affect their run? Marcus Smart was the emotional engine of that team. Period. Marcus Smart was the guy who had everybody's back. Marcus Smart was the guy who would get up in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's face and tell them, "You got to do things differently. You got to do things better." He was the leader of the team. Period. Okay, his loss. I don't really know how bad it's going to be. They had the good fortune, I suppose, that they brought Derek White over from the Spurs. So they kind of had another one of those guys, if you know what I'm saying, a a, a defensive oriented guy. I mean, Derek White was second team all defense last year. Right. He's probably the best shot blocking guard in the entire NBA. I mean, you can check the highlights. You can look at the numbers. You can see. But the intangibles, and really not only Marcus Smart, but also Grant Williams. Now, Grant Williams was nowhere near as integral to the success of the team. But those were the two guys on that team that would get up in your face and be aggressive. Boston is kind of a soft team, right? They're, they really kind of are. I mean, Porzingis is not a, you know, he's not a, a, a destroyer. You know, Al Horford in his day was was, you know, pretty aggressive. But, you know... His best basketball is behind him, even though he's still, you know, very good at times, as you guys saw in the playoffs the year before. Um, but the Marcus Smart loss, I expect, you know, if if somebody like Jalen Brown is ready to step up into that kind of a leadership role, 
which I think he's capable of. Jalen Brown is a really solid individual, not only as a player, but as a person. So if he's ready to kind of step up and, and assume more of a leadership role, that will sort of mitigate the loss of, of uh, Marcus Smart. But, I mean, Marcus Smart was one of my favorite players. I mean, Marcus Smart, to me, is a guy I would want to see his number in the rafters someday, whether they want a championship with him or not, because of what he meant. And the fans in Boston love Marcus Smart. They love him. And I hope that he is really successful. I think he's going to have a great impact in Memphis because he's got a, uh, his teammate, knucklehead John Morant over there. John Morant needs a Marcus Smart next to him yes. in the locker room to kind yeah. of teach him a little bit about, you know, handling himself a little bit better because Marcus Smart never got into any trouble at all. He caused trouble on the court, but it was kind of good trouble, right? He'd be diving around. He'd be aggressive. John Morant needs to grow up, and Marcus Smart is exactly the kind of guy that I think can help him along a little bit. And, yeah, from a from a Bucks fan perspective, I mean, like I said, we're – most Bucks fans I know are, are happy to see those two guys, uh, Smart and Grant Williams, off the team just because they were kind of the two guys. Horford also, you know, he, he defended Giannis well, but they were the two guys that probably defended him the best simply because, like, they flopped a lot. I mean, they they, they it, it works against Giannis. That's kind of the best defense to use against him a lot of the time. So they were the two best at it. They always gave him a little bit of trouble. Um and so we're all, you know, a little bit happy to see those guys gone. How are you feeling about Porzingis and having him in there? Because um, I know it's a it's a big change, and they're like to me, the Celtics definitely got you know different this off season, but it's yet to be seen if they got better. Like I'm not ready to be like, okay, they got Porzingis, they should be the title favorites, absolutely. Because um, again, as you said, you know, you've now got Porzingis at center, who's he's now injury he's injury prone. Robert Williams is injury prone. Your other big is Al Horford, who's getting very up there in age. So it's just, it's not a completely reliable um, top seven as it was before, where I feel like you just had seven locked in guys. Now it's kind of iffy. And I just feel like that, that front court could get, um, you know, a little dicey. Joe Missoula, the head coach, uh, he's now going to be in his second year. His big priority, I believe, should be, you don't necessarily have to end up with the best record in the conference. What you have to do is you have to hit April, okay, with a healthy team. If Kristaps Porzingis is able to play 67 to 70 games and stay healthy and get to the postseason in good health with some rest, if Robert Williams's minutes are able to be managed properly, because you're right, that every time that guy hits the floor, Celtics fans, like, you know, their heart skips a beat because you just never know what's going to happen there. But their big thing is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I think they'll be okay. I think you can reasonably expect, you know, 55 points a game out of those two guys combined, you know, pretty much. Derek White's a nice player, okay? Porzingis, just stay healthy, big fella, and, and, and don't try to be anything that you're not. They need his rim protection because that is something that they have needed more of. Al is pretty good like that. But again, you know, as we've said, Al's about 6'10", uh, and he's a great quarterback on defense. He kind of does a lot of what Kevin Garnett used to do for them as far as keeping the guys on a string, keeping them organized, calling out the D, all that kind of stuff. Porzingis needs to just, you know, be a presence in the paint, you know, take, take his shots when he gets them, uh, but really stay healthy, please. Yeah, no doubt about it. We only got a, a few minutes left here. I... I had a chance to talk with you before we started this thing. And, and I wanted you to be able to kind of tell everybody your background and kind of 
what you did kind of leading up to the 48 Minutes podcast. Sure. I was a, a coordinating producer at ESPN. I oversaw our NBA studio shows. I was there uh, for 32 years. I, uh, you know, helped develop a lot of their talent there. A lot of the people you see on the air right now are people that I worked with. Cassidy Hubbard is one of my uh, protégés, a, a dear, dear friend. And well, somebody don't forget, that- too, you had Salaturo, uh, who's there and has been there. And he used to be at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I had breakfast with him last Saturday, believe it or not. Yeah, because a lot of ESPN people were in town. Robin Roberts got married in uh, Farmington, Connecticut, and a lot of people were in town. So uh, some of us got together and had breakfast. So I I sat next. Chuck and I live in the same town. We both live in in the town of West Hartford, Connecticut. We live about three miles away from one another. Our kids played Little League Baseball together back in the day, all all that. So I was at ESPN for 32 years. I was uh, there till the end of 2017 when uh, I retired from Disney. Uh, well, they had a hey, bunch of layoffs. Quotes, and, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I started a company called Pure Hoops Media, which is how my Pure Hoops Bruce uh, handle, uh, that's what that refers to. And we did about a thousand podcasts or so, and then we called it a day. And then I met uh, Ross Geiger. He was doing this thing called Colorcast, which was like this kind of audio channel where you know, people could like call games and people would hop on and listen and chat. And I just kind of clicked on it one day and I was listening to it and I heard Ross doing this play by play all by himself. I said, geez, this guy's pretty good. He knows what he's talking about. Who is this person? I was just kind of looking around. All I wanted to do was stay in the NBA family, right? right. Everything I want to do, you know, it revolves around that. So we hooked up, we did some things and then things changed at ColorCast. But we all, we, we said, if we ever get a chance to do something together again, we have to figure out a way to work together because he's a great guy and, and he's really knowledgeable. Uh, and so now I'm, I would call myself semi-retired. We're doing uh, the 48 minutes. I produce some games freelance for ESPN radio when they need some extra help. I'm kind of on their bench, but that's okay. I mean, I'm not looking to do anything full time. Uh, and uh, just, I'm just, you know, everything revolves around the NBA for me. I mean, my relationships with people around the league. I mean, we talked about Dan Smichek. Dan's one of the best, you know, I've known him for, you know, 20 plus years. I mean, you know, since he was, you know, a little baby in this job. Uh, So for me, 48 minutes is my newest passion. Having the honest thing obviously helps put us on the map. Uh, Next week, uh, one of my good friends that I used to work with is Mike Brown, the Sacramento coach. So he's oh. gonna he's scheduled to do the show next week. So hopefully, if you guys well, uh, liked what we did last week, maybe you'll take a listen. I'll tell you we're, this: we're, much. we're big Kings, we're big yeah. Kings fans on this podcast. We, we talk a lot of the Kings on this podcast because uh, my 16 year old uh, became a Kings fan like I don't know four or five years ago. His first NBA jersey guy was a De'Aaron Fox jersey. So okay, I'm a Kings fan going forward. So in our house, we watch probably as many Kings games as we do Bucks. He'll be in the basement watching Kings. I'll be upstairs watching Bucks. And when the Bucks don't play, I'll watch the Kings with them. So, oh boy, I would have a ton of questions for Mike Brown if I was on that podcast. Uh, I got oh, oh, uh, send me send me something if there's something you really want to ask him. I mean, one of the things I want to ask him was his teams were always known for defense, right? In Cleveland yep. and and along the way. But last year, Sacramento scored more points than any other team in the league. So the, the question I want to ask him is, did the years as Steve Kerr's assistant in Golden State change the way you look at basketball? Because you went from a defensive guy to an offensive guy. How much of an influence did the Golden State culture have on you? And is, was this a one-year thing or, or is this the new Mike Brown? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's they don't have a rim protector still after this offseason. They got Sasha coming back uh, from overseas. I think he'll be a huge impact player for them. 
uh, for Sacramento, but th- they still don't have the that that guy. I, I want a question about your NBA pass quick. Yeah. So you were there for a long time doing all these studio shows. And I don't think people understand, because you brought up Perk earlier. I don't think people understand what it's like necessarily working with guys that are coming off the floor that have never done media before and now trying to get them to understand TV uh, or understand radio or anything uh, of that ilk. Who, who adapted to it the best that, that you worked with over the course of time doing TV? You know, it's funny. I'm working on a book right now about my career because I've been at this for five nice. decades. So, um, yeah, so there's going to there's going to be a lot of stories. And one of the chapters in the book is going to be about working with analysts. Here's the thing. A lot of people are intimidated by former athletes, right? Yep. Particularly NBA guys, you know, 6'10 guy covered with ink has $30 million in the bank. You know, are they going to listen to me? And you know what I found? They are the absolute best at accepting difficult feedback because they more than anyone else understand that they needed good coaching to help them become professional players that could earn all that money. They understand what it's like to get reamed out in a film session. Okay. And understand why they have to kind of, you know, not take it personally, but kind of use it as areas for growth. So I found that NBA analysts were the best when it came to accepting feedback, you know, processing it, looking at tapes with them and showing them different things, explaining to them what crutch words are and how you can't, you can't, when you can't think of something to say, you can't always just say, and well, you know, and well, you know, that just doesn't, you know, and we all are guilty of that at times. I'm sure on the radio every so often you guys might have that happen. I I know that I do, and I'm constantly trying to work on it, but yeah, to me, working with analysts was always one of the most fun things because they could handle a tough message and they didn't get all bent out of shape about it. I mean, and I've worked with probably 40 or 50 former NBA players or coaches over the years. And that was one thing they all pretty much had in common. The, the, the one guy that stands out to me that I thought he was pretty good uh, and then changed sports and became an owner was Brad Doherty. I mean, that dude was, I thought he was a really good analyst, obviously a really good basketball player. And I did a NASCAR show on our station for 12, 15 years. When he went to go be a NASCAR owner, I was like, what are you doing? Like, you got it all set over there. Just, you're good. And I didn't realize how much of a passion he truly had for racing until, you know, I've seen a couple interviews with him. Then I understood why he's doing why he's doing. And he's very successful at, at being a race car owner as well. But that that was one of the guys that I was kind of really shocked by when he left to go do that. I was like, what is going on? But it worked out. Did you ever notice that Brad Doherty's number was 43? You know yes. who else's number was 43? Richard Petty. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You know, Brad uh, is one of the most remarkable individuals I've known. I absolutely love that guy. And I, I'll tell you a good little Brad Doherty story that's pretty quick. Um, Brad owns a lot of automobile dealerships. OK. Um, and when we were working together, probably in 2015, I told him, I said, you know, Brad, I'm going to be you know, I'm looking for a new car. He said, oh, really? What are you thinking of buying? I said, well, I really like the Infiniti Q50, which is a great car, by the way. It, it hasn't changed for years. The, the car I bought in 2015 is the same car you can see in their showroom now. It's a great car. I said, I'm looking at the in, in, Infiniti Q50. He's there. Oh, I don't have one of those dealerships. I said, oh, okay. He's there. <laughs> but all right. I know one of my buddies does. I'm going to find out. Uh, he's there. What kind of equipment do you want to get in it? I said, well, I'm probably just going to kind of get the standard stuff. I'm not looking to get it all souped up. He's there. All right. Let me 
don't don't do anything yet. I'm going to call my buddy and find out what you should be paying for that car. Nice. So, nice. so he's there. Look, it's not going to be some dirt cheap deal. The number I'm going to tell you is a fair price. It's, you know, but you're not going to get ripped off. So when you go into the dealership, you're going to tell them this is what you're going to pay for that car. And they're going to probably say, okay, that's fair. It's exactly what happened. So Brad wow. Doherty told me how much I should spend on my car. That's <laughs> And amazing. I still got that car. That car's got 85,000 miles on it. It's a cream puff, man. I love that car. That's a beautiful thing. He is. I can follow him on Twitter. Uh, Pure Hoops Bruce, uh, co-host producer of the 48 Minutes Podcast. You can go, of course, part of the Believe Network. Uh, and they have Giannis on this podcast. Mike Brown of the Sacramento Kings coming up on the next podcast. Make sure to go uh, and download that. He's Nathan Marzian at Nathan Marzian. Of course, I am C Sparky Fiber. You can follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. Thanks so much for coming on, Bruce, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you, Bruce. That was great, guys.